Well, thank you all so much for coming tonight and being here for our Christmas Eve service. It is a joy and a blessing to me uh, to be able to share with you, and I pray God uses it. So join me in prayer, if you would. Lord Jesus, uh, we honor and give you glory tonight. Thank you for giving up the glories uh, of heaven for a stable, a manger, um, in a dirty town, in a dirty place, but that wasn't just physically dirty, that was spiritually uh, dirty and spiritually dead, so that you could bring it life, and so that you could give life to us, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, that as we look at your word, um, may I speak the words that you want me to speak, and may our hearts be open, so that if anyone does not know the gift that was given at Christmas, they may know tonight. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So perhaps some of you have Christmas Eve traditions. Now, I never would have, um, you know, described it as this way um, when I was a child, but there was some form of torture that went on, actually, every year for my Christmas Eve. Every Christmas Eve, when I was a kid growing up, we would travel about 30 minutes away to some extended family, and the extended family, we didn't know them very well. These were my second cousins. And it was my brother and I, little boys, and then two girls, second cousins, who got to sit together at the kids' table, of course, while we had dinner together Christmas Eve. Now, two boys and two girls, second cousins who don't see each other very much, it was not a very fun time. As you can imagine, we sat there for for what seemed like hours and talked about, well, you know, nothing, because what do two boys and two girls, second cousins, have to talk about? Nothing. So we sat there and we slurped on our clam chowder, because for whatever reason, clam chowder was always the meal on Christmas Eve. I've looked through the gospel accounts, I've read it in Greek, I've never found clam chowder in there. I have no idea why, but we had clam chowder every Christmas Eve. And that stuff, well, first of all, if you like clam chowder, this won't resonate with you. But if you don't like clam chowder, then you're like me. It's slimy. It's slurpy. It's hard to chew. It gets stuck in your teeth. And I just didn't like it. So we sat there in silence, slurping our clam chowder. And then the funnest part of the evening came when Grandma and my Aunt Clara and my mom, they got out the quilt collection. Oh, yeah. Nothing says fun to a young boy like the quilt collection coming out. We talked about how we stitched it, how we arranged the patterns. Yeah. And then at some point when it felt like the torture could go on for no longer, my strength would give out. Dad would say, all right, boys, time to go home. Thank you. Thank you. My Savior had arrived, my dad, it was time to go home. Because see, not only only was the evening feeling like torture, but in our family, we had a tradition of opening our gifts on Christmas Eve. Does anyone else do that here? No? No? So we were unique in a lot of ways, clam chowder and gifts on Christmas Eve. But we actually opened our gifts on Christmas Eve. That way my parents could legitimately sleep in and we didn't like wake them up by bouncing on the bed on Christmas morning. Smart, right? So when my dad said, it's time to go home, you can understand why that sounded like good news that brought great joy to my heart. Well, 
Of course, we have some more wonderful good news of great joy that is presented to us in Luke chapter 2, and that is where I'd like to read from tonight. So if you have your Bible, please join me in looking at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 18. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So I announce to you tonight what the angel announced to the shepherd, that there is good news of great joy. There is good news at Christmas time, and this good news produces great joy. Let's consider the setting in which this good news was announced. The setting was out on a countryside around Bethlehem. Now at first, we might find that that's odd, You would think that a grand birth, a grand announcement of a powerful ruler and powerful king would be made in Rome, would be made to Caesar, or would be made in Jerusalem, to Herod, to the powerful, to the wealthy, to the prominent, or maybe to the religious elites, like the high priest or the Pharisees. That's what one would think. And yet, here, outside of Bethlehem in the countryside, to shepherds, the angelic announcement came. Now, shepherds were common enough to Jewish society, right? And all throughout the Bible, we find references to shepherds. Abraham tended sheep. The Israelites were shepherds in Egypt, and that's why they lived apart from the Egyptians. There would be thousands of sheep slaughtered every year at Passover time. Jesus was called the Good Shepherd. He was also called the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And then finally, David the greatest king in Israel up to that time, of course, he tended his father's sheep in that same area right around Bethlehem. And so maybe it's not strange that this announcement comes to the shepherds. They weren't the prominent. 
They weren't the presidents, the prime ministers. They were peasants. They were common. And yet, that is good news to us because we're not presidents and prime ministers, governors and senators. We're, we're the commoners. We're the peasants, if you will. And the good news is for us. The good news of Jesus being born, the King of Kings, is for, as the angel said, for all people. I would wish, of course, that Biden and Putin and Musk and Bezos and all the presidents and billionaires and rulers of the world would hear this same good news and come to know Jesus. But it's not about your status in society. It's not about your wealth or your prominence. It's about the grace of God extended to all. And so this good news brought to us and brought to the shepherds came uh, at, at an opportune time. Of course, there was bad news in Jerusalem, in Israel at the time. The shepherds, think about their lives. They lived under the oppression of Rome. They lived under the cruelty of Herod. They worked really long, hard days. They had taxes to pay. They, were, they suffered in sickness and most of all, sin. It had been 400 some years since they heard from a prophet of God. There was no Messiah who had come yet. There were little uprisings, little rebellions, but those were always viciously put down. I imagine that there were probably many a shepherd who lived without hope and who lived without joy. And of course, what about us? We live in a time when there is war, when there is disease, pandemics, crime, disasters, poverty, hunger, sickness, suffering, and sin. There's a lot of bad news. I don't care where you get your news from or which app you use, CNN, or you might say, well, it's Fox News. It's still bad. It's bad news all around. The shepherds needed some good news, and so do we. And so the angel announces, there is good news. In the midst of that dark night, in the midst of the darkness, spiritually, the angel announces good news. And the glory of the Lord shines around. The glory of the Lord, that awesome, overwhelming, overpowering glory shined on a country hillside. Not just in the temple, but in the country hillside for the people. And what was that good news? That good news was that a Savior had been born. Christ the Lord. Now, I'm not sure what exactly the shepherds thought when they heard good news, Christ a Savior. They probably went to the fact that there were promises in the Old Testament of a Davidic king, a Davidic ruler who would come and who would free them from oppression and who would be an even greater ruler and conquering hero than what David was. We don't know, but when we read good news, we know the entire rest of the story, don't we? The word that's translated good news in that verse is the same word that is used throughout the New Testament in different forms, translated as gospel the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what the angel announced to those shepherds that night. 
And whether, well, of course, they didn't know the whole story, but we do know the whole story. And so I think it's entirely appropriate for us that when we hear the angel say, there's good news, it's the gospel that is good news. That not just was Jesus born, but that he lived a sinless life and that he died on the cross for your sins and mine and that he rose again. And so that by placing our trust in him, we can have eternal life. That is the good news. The shepherds may have not understood all of that, but we do. That this was truly God and truly man. One person, two natures, the divine taking on human likeness without losing any of his divinity. Living a perfect, sinless life to be our Savior. This is surely good news. Now, look at how the shepherds reacted. The shepherds reacted whether they understood everything that we do or not. They reacted with great joy at what the angel had told them. And the angel gave them a sign, a sign that they would find a baby laying in a manger in swaddling cloths. And so they took off to find this baby. And I find it wonderful that God gave them such specific directions. I mean, I'm not really sure how many babies there were that night in Bethlehem. I'm not sure that if if the shepherds had gone out just looking for any baby, how many they would have found. But the angel gave them a specific sign that this baby, the one you're looking for, is going to be in a manger, in a feeding trough. And that's right where they found Jesus. Now think for me, if you could, about Joseph and Mary. When they're making this difficult trip to Bethlehem uh, from Nazareth, and they're going through the, the trials and the tribulations that they're facing. And they're tired. And Mary is very pregnant. And she's going to give a baby at any moment. And then they can't find any room in the inn. They have to go to the stable. Now, I have three kids. And I've been there for all of them. And fortunately, we've had very nice hospitals, very nice hospital beds, very nice epidurals and things like that to take care of us. Now, Mary didn't have that. And so as they found Bethlehem and they didn't find any room, they might have thought to themselves, God, what are you doing? God, why are you bringing us all this way, first of all? And then second, there's no room for us. But we have to find a place, a stable, and put the baby into a manger, a feeding trough. God, we have no idea what you're doing or why you're doing it. We don't understand. And if I could go back in history and and put my and, and sort of be there for Mary and Joseph, I'd want to put my arm around him and say, don't give up. Keep going. The struggles you're facing, the hardships that you have, the no room, the despair that you may feel, God is at work, and God has a plan. Don't give up. Don't go back to Nazareth, but stay here and do what God has called you to do. And when you put your baby into that manger, it's actually a sign that God is giving to others of what he's doing. And so the shepherds knew how to find this new king of kings by looking for a baby in a manger. And I would want to say to you, whatever struggles, whatever hardships, whatever things you're going through 
You may not understand the plan. You may not realize what God is doing, but in his infinite grace in your life, he has a plan. And and you may go through struggles that you never find out the reason, but somebody else, it's a sign and a blessing to them. Your faithfulness, you doing what, what God calls you to do, like Mary putting her baby in a manger, has meaning and significance. And so God works all things together for good, for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And Mary and Joseph, of course, live that out. And so I'd want to put my arm around each one of you here tonight and say, don't give up. Keep going. Keep believing. Keep trusting in the sovereignty of the God who loves you and who has a plan for you. Well, the shepherds, of course, they did find baby Jesus, but on their way, um, they, they, they told a lot of people. Now, this part in the story was always my favorite growing up when I got to be in Christmas plays as a kid. My mom often directed them, and at this point in the story with the shepherds, this was our one opportunity as kids throughout the entire year to run around the church screaming, good news, good news, good news, ah, and so I want to invite all the kids to stand up and, yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> that, was, that was so much fun for us because I'm sure that that's exactly what the shepherds looked like, screaming through the streets of Bethlehem, good news, good news, ah! Well, but I wonder, is that your experience as well? <clears throat> the shepherds' excitement over this good news was insatiable. It was contagious, and they wanted to share it with others. What is your experience? Not running through the neighborhood, ah, good news, or you could try it tonight, you might get some attention. But is it your desire to to share this good news of great joy with others? May it be insatiable, may it be contagious within us to share this good news of great joy. We had a neighbor come by our house just this afternoon, actually, rang the doorbell, gave us some Christmas candy inside the bag, were these very verses from Luke chapter 2 about a Savior being born. That blessed us. He was sharing his great joy over the good news of Jesus. Now, when I read about the the angelic announcement in in something of a literal translation, it actually read the, the angel saying, I announce to you a great joy. I announce to you a great joy. And that really stuck with me because the way that that literal translation read, it made me realize that the great joy was in the event itself. The great joy was in the gracious act of what God was doing itself. In other words, the great joy isn't dependent on the recipient. It's in what God is doing in the act itself. See, because... As, as recipients of this good news, not everyone receives it the same. I don't know. Maybe there could have been one holdout shepherd who was like, uh, are you sure? Am I, maybe I'm just staring at the fire too long. Let's look at this from a very logical, scientific point of view. Um, angels, really? You know, I, I don't know. But whether or not the, the recipient of the good news reacts with great joy doesn't detract from the great joy of the act itself. 
Because this is God acting in his gracious sovereignty to his people. And that is an event of great joy. Now, I don't know um, the next day what the shepherd's life was like. I assume that the shepherds had to go back to their tending of the sheep, had to go back to cooking their meals, washing their clothes, and, and so forth. Their amazement isn't necessarily the same as faith. Did their great joy die off? I, I don't know. But what I do know for us is that the great joy continues each day because we know the full story. We know that not just was this baby born, the Son of God, but that he lived and died on the cross for our sins and rose again. We know the whole gospel story. And that is what gives us great joy every day. Christmas is an exciting time. There's gifts, there's special music productions, but don't let the great joy of Christmas, of course, stay at Christmas. It's the great joy of the gospel that impacts us every day. So, as we go tonight to our homes, and whether you have clam chowder or something else, I hope something else, whatever it is, what I would love for you to take with you is the good news that this Savior, Jesus, was born as God's gracious gift to you. That he did not just stay a baby, of course, but he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for your sins and rose again so that by placing your faith in him, you can be forgiven and have eternal life. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, then I would encourage you tonight to think about Mary and Joseph to think about their struggles, to think about everything that they went through, and yet the whole time God was working out his perfect plan. Whatever you are going through, whatever your struggles, keep trusting God. Keep trusting God that he is working out his perfect plan. That in his sovereign, providential grace and love and care for you, he is working out his perfect plan. And I also would encourage you to have that joy, that great joy of sharing the gospel with others. Whether you run up and down the street shouting, ah, good news, or just walk up to your neighbor's house and have a conversation in which Jesus comes up and you're able to share the gospel. Keep the great joy of the good news in your heart. So Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for Christmas Eve. Thank you for, Lord, the gift that was given to us, the gracious gift. And I pray, Lord, that anyone here tonight who may not know in a personal way how you came near and want to come near to them right now, that they would call upon the name of the Lord. Because all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Father God, for sending your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for humbling yourself and coming to be born, to live, to die, to rise again, to be our Savior. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.